We hope you enjoy this message from Matt Bruce, recorded at Equipus Church, Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. It's a free place, and it's a place that we like to have fun, because church is a place for fun. Sometimes we can get a little serious. Yes, there's great things in being serious, but we're also put on this earth to be filled with joy, uh, to live an abundant life, John 10.10, come on. He's come to give us a life abundantly. So, yeah, welcome to my crazy church. <laughs> I'm Matt, by the way. Uh, yeah, let's talk later. Cool. Hey, well, tonight, I just want to start by saying me and my beautiful wife just celebrated our first year wedding anniversary. So, oh, yeah. One year down, many more to go. So many exciting journeys and adventures to be had. Awesome. Hey, well, I know that tonight is meant to be um, my time to share, but I love you guys so much. I actually want to start with some of you guys. So if I could get four lovely people up to the stage to come see me, you don't need to be scared. Oh, you're all scared. Come on. Just four people. I have marshmallows. Yes, good. Two more, two more. Oh, oh, oh. Great. Awesome. Hey, team. Thanks for being so willing. <laughs> if you guys could, uh, let's just keep these pairs, right? We've got lovely pairs here. What I want you to do is I want you to start in your pairs, but go to opposite sides of the stage. So, Kerry, you'll start down there. Yeah, yeah. So, Sean, you go down there. Ben, down this way. Kerry, down this way. That's good. Great. And what I want you guys to do is just, from this great position, I just want you guys to communicate how your weeks have been. So just to, your, just to your partner across the room, just let them know how your week's been going and everything, and just have a good catch up. So in three, two, one, catch up. Hey, this is great, but we all know ketchups need to have food, so um, if you guys could just open this bag and share your food with your, your friend while you have a ketchup as well, that'd be great. Is it open? All right, three, two, one, let's have a ketchup over food. I love how the boys stopped talking and it was all about the sport. <laughs> hey, well, thank you guys for your awesome catch-up. We'll leave it there. You guys have been great. Why don't we give a hand up to our incredible volunteers. You can take the marshmallows. I don't need them. Hey, so that was pretty crazy, but what was the whole point of that? What's to point out that it's really hard to share when you're at a distance? It's really hard to share when you're at a distance, and it's so much harder to communicate. It's so much harder to hear. Like, they don't even, they probably don't even know really what each other was saying that much. And when you're at a distance, it's a lot easier to disengage and not care for what they're actually talking about. We lose a depth in that thing. 
And the crazy thing is, and the scary thing is that so often I've found that I'm trying to communicate and share myself and find deep connection, but I'm doing it at a distance. I'm doing it at a distance. It's the very place that I try to do a lot of my communication. But it's very hard to share when you're at a distance. Very hard. Who has Facebook in this room? Put your hand up if you have Facebook. Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. I want to see here. It's pretty much everyone. Far out. That's great. You're all on Facebook. Hey, well, let's see how many friends people have got. Who has zero to 100 friends? Put your hand up. Zero to 100 friends. Oh, like if you have 100 friends, but you have more, still put your hand up. So everyone, okay, we're doing a weed decrease. Zero to 100, great. Zero to 200. Zero to 300. Zero to 400. Zero to 500. Zero to 600. Zero to 700. Zero to 800. Zero to 900. Zero to 1,000 friends. Zero to 1,100. Zero to 1,400. Zero to 1,600. 2,000, question mark? Holy moly, 2,000 friends. That's incredible. That's crazy. I think I've got like 600, and I don't really know many of them. But here's the thing. So this friend over here has got, person over here has got 2,000 friends. And right now, some people are probably thinking, wow, she's so popular. Wow, everybody must love her. But the truth is, I'm sure that's the case. <laughs> but the truth is, is that we all may have different numbers of Facebook friends. But on average, all of us, all of us would only turn and trust four of those friends in a crisis. Maybe you have 100 friends on Facebook. You'd probably still only turn to four when the, you know. <laughs> Maybe you have 2,000 friends. Out of those 2,000, it's still just four people who you probably trust in a crisis. And these findings come from a study conducted out of um, Oxford University. And the lead professor on this has some telling um, quotes that he said about it, which I find interesting. He said, social media certainly helped to slow down the natural rate of decay in relationship quality that would set in once we cannot readily meet friends face to face. But no amount of social media will prevent a friend eventually becoming just another acquaintance if you don't meet face to face from time to time. So in other words, he's saying, Facebook's great and social media is great if your friend's away for like a month and you just need to catch up with them or that. But he's, if you don't meet face to face with them, if you don't have that time, then eventually they're just going to become another number, another acquaintance. But they're not going to be that deep friend. And there's this crazy quote which struck me. He said, seeing the white of their eyes from time to time seems to be crucial to the way we maintain friendships. Maybe right now, just turn to your neighbor and stare them down for five minutes in that white of their eye. This might be scary. <laughs> Do it. All righty, should we end the experiment? Some people are probably feeling awkward. Some people are probably feeling way more loved right now. But it's crazy how that is actually so important to have that face-to-face -face interaction, right? Yeah. All right. It's quieter in church. Church is not a noisy place. No, no. 
Now we have fun here. We have fun here. Cool. Um, it's crazy though. Like so often we're trying to create friendships, right? And we're probably doing it in isolation, just with our phone, eh? Just like finding another friend or on the laptop, finding another friend. And this is where we try to get our main basis of friends. But the truth is, is that we should really be down here. <laughs> down here. I'll probably like just sit by Stacy right now. And this is probably a far better place to get to know Stacy than it is to be in the background just on my phone. Or Stacy, how was your week? Boom, just save 10 texts. <laughs> face to face is just so incredible, you know? But it's crazy. So we try to create our friendships from a place of isolation. And then we wonder why we find it so hard to share our difficulties, share our struggle, share our doubt. And it's because we don't actually know if there's a human behind that device. Come on, they could just be writing on their keypad and their face might not even match what they're writing. Their care might not match what they're writing. And the truth is, is that there's power in face-to-face connections because we know that the person sitting across from us can empathize, empathize, I was going to say emphasize, (laughs) empathize with our current situation. So we want to be making our friendships eye-to-eye, face-to-face, right? In the study, uh, there was a a conclusion they sort of came up with, and they said, Facebook friends should be seen more like a village of casual acquaintances rather than a close network of allies. That's great for Facebook, but imagine if the church was known for that. Imagine if the church was just known as a village of acquaintances rather than a close network of allies. If someone said that to me, I'd find that hard to stomach. It'd suck to hear that your church is just considered to just be a a village of acquaintances where we just turn up and do the niceties and we never actually go anywhere together. You know? When the struggle comes on, we all just run. You know? Crazy. Hey, it's a bit somber in here, so let's keep going. So God spoke to me through the generosity series. Who found the generosity series incredible? I thought that was phenomenal, and God really spoke to me through this. And it's been an area in my life where I perhaps have been a little more about what Matt's up to than what everyone else is up to around me. You know, it was a little bit about Matt's world. So this generosity series really targeted that and made me think about, it's not all about me. It's not all about me. My name, I love this revelation. Two years ago, I realized my name means gift from God. And God just said, it's not a gift if you don't give it. I was like, oh. (laughs) He's like, Matt, you're pretty good at keeping your gift to yourself, but you're not very good at giving yourself. I was like, wow. God's really hitting the mark. (laughs) Whoo. But anyway, out of this generosity series, uh, there was a key scripture, right, that sort of framed it. And it's actually a key scripture that Will constantly goes to uh, in the life of our church. And it's, for the, it's talking about the first church, right? And it's Acts 2, 42 to 47. And I wanted to read that one tonight. Sweet. 
It said, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in home for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So a key point of this whole scripture is around the idea of sharing. And one morning, I don't know what we were, what Will was preaching on that morning or if Desiree was preaching, but the Lord just uh, spoke to me very clearly. And he said, uh, this is my key point tonight, he said, giving is a present, sharing is presence. Giving is a present, like a gift. Sharing is presence. You see, as a society, we're really, well, I think we're quite good at giving gifts. But we're not so good at this whole presence thing. Don't get me wrong, gifts are powerful and gifts do show that you care, but it's my belief that presence holds more power. And in a time-pressured society, presence becomes crucial, becomes so crucial. Tonight, the title of my sermon is simply, I'm committed to presence. I'm committed to presence. You see, in the Bible, Jesus often not only gave a gift of forgiveness, and of healing, but he also offered his presence. Uh, Reggie was here not long ago, and he talked on uh, the story about Zacchaeus, and I want to turn to that. Um, it should be good because it's familiar or fresh. So it's in Luke 19, 1 to 10, if you want to grab it. Awesome. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be with the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Great scripture. It says, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So this is how it did go, but I wanted to give an illustration of how it could have gone. So I'm going to get my friend, my new brother, Nick up. I now have a brother. It's pretty exciting. We're going to show you how it could have gone. I don't know about you. <laughs> so this is how 
they usually go, you know? I don't know how many times I was walking to university and that was the conversation I had. It says in the passage here that Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Was Jesus's ultimate mission and goal for that day to be somewhere else? Yes, it was, because he was passing through. And so often we're just walking down the street and we have a goal to get somewhere and we forget that we need to be present in the passing through. Because it says in the scripture that when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. I must stay at your house today. And in verse 9, it says, Jesus said to him today, salvation has come to this house. You see, it was the presence of Jesus that brought salvation to the house. That brought freedom, that brought value to Zacchaeus. What if Jesus had just walked past and go, hey, mate, why up in the tree? I'm short. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's not much of a conversation, you know. And the crazy thing is, is that Jesus stopped at that spot to talk to Zacchaeus. He was present in that moment, but then he took his presence a whole lot further and invited himself over to dinner. <laughs> I must be in your house today. Wow. Wow. If you want to make people feel valued, supported, and loved, then commit to presence. Commit to presence. If you haven't noticed, the greatest commandment is presence. Loving presence. Matthew 22, 36 to 39 says this. Some, someone asked Jesus, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In layman terms, this simply is saying, share your life with me and with others. That's it. To share your life with me and share your life with others. And the reason I think it's the greatest commandment is because I know that it's going to bring the greatest joy. The thing about God is He doesn't just make commandments so you can fulfill a checklist. He does it because He genuinely believes it's going to lead to a life abundant. He doesn't just throw these things out because it's like, oh, that would be a good idea to see if they follow. No, nah, no, nah, it's because he actually wants to release you in life. So this is why he says, share your life with me and share your life with others. This will lead to a life abundant. But who knows if loving presence is the greatest commandment, then it's going to be the enemy's greatest target. If it's the very thing that God says, this is it, this is what's going to lead to life abundant, then who knows that the enemy's going to go after that. Have you guys heard of the five love languages? Yeah, do you want to shout them out to me? Nice. So for you guys who couldn't decipher that, it was words of affirmation, acts of service. I'm getting there. Receiving gifts, quality time, and physical touch. You see, and it's my belief, I was looking at this the other day, and I was like, I saw something, and it's my belief that the enemy is trying to remove the presence from all of these areas. What do I mean? If you take the language uh, of words of affirmation, uh, today so much encouragement and love is written on text. We just write it on text because that's easier, right? Oh, yeah, you're the man. I love you all that kind of stuff, and we just do it online these days. And like, I'm so proud of you, but we do it all online or on, on text, on screens. 
But the thing is, is that that's removing the presence. Words of affirmation were created to say face to face, eye to eye. It's so much harder to walk up to someone and say, I love you, eye to eye, or to say, I'm proud of you, eye to eye. That's when it gets uncomfortable. That's when it gets vulnerable. And that's when you can't just like, oh, what's going to be the best thing? You know, on a text, you've got five minutes or ten minutes to construct, oh, what's going to be really touching? <laughs> what's really going to lift them up? What will lift them up is you just looking them straight in the eye and saying it like it is without any pretties. So that's words of affirmation, you see. It's face-to-face that has the power because it has the presence. Quality time. If you just go to a cafe, just go to a cafe and sit down and just observe and just see how many phones are placed on tables and how many phones are used during a catch-up. Automatically, that tells you where value is. It's like if you're sitting across from the table and the person's texting, it's like, oh, hey, I hope your friends are doing well. What about me? It's like we'll sit down and the very thing that we put is, oh, I'm catching up with this person today. We then go and sabotage it by just taking our phone in and then we remove the presence. If you ask the online gaming community about presence, they'll tell you that these days with the internet, they can just sit in their own living room at home and play their friends online. What happened to sitting in the same living room, hanging out with your friends and having a good time? Come on, that's removing presence again. It's the enemy. Physical touch. Sexualization of media and pornography. Presence gone. Presence gone. Acts of service. You know, oh, I'm going to, oh, neighbors way, I'm going to go mow their lawns. That's great. But have you talked to them before? <laughs> have you invited them over for dinner? Come on, that's presence. That's great mowing the lawn. That's a gift. That's giving, but the, the power's in the presence. Receiving gifts. This one's challenging because as a church, we like giving gifts because it's part of our pastoral care. It's part of caring, right? We drop off meals to people as a church. We drop off flowers. And don't get me wrong, they're fantastic. They're so good. But what about inviting someone over to tea and you cook them the meal, you do the dishes, and you actually allow them to talk through some things? Because sometimes we're just trying to make it less difficult for them from a distance but the power's in being present, and that's where we start to, to get some things going, you know? Sometimes people just need to talk. They just need to be heard. That's going to be the thing that really changes it. Your meal does help. I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect that. That's fantastic, but sometimes presence can be great as well. See, I just feel like, so there are top five love languages, right? These are the very things that have been identified as the things we use to let people know we love them. Yet the enemy's trying to remove the presence, trying to take your power away from that greatest commandment. That's scary. The enemy's just trying to dehumanize it, really. How do you love without actually loving? Hmm. Whew, heavy. <laughs> hey, God values presence so much. 
He does. He values it so much. And in John 14, 15 to 31, it says this so beautifully. It says, if you love me, obey my commandments. We know that we're not obeying them to fulfill a checklist. They have to bring life abundant. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. That's incredible. If you didn't catch it in there, it's pretty much Jesus saying, hey, I'm hanging with you now. I'm present with you now, and we've had a great journey. But there's going to be a time when I go, and I'm not just going to leave you. I'm actually going to be present with you for eternity, and I'm going to do that through the Holy Spirit. It's like, here's my guarantee that I'm going to be present in your life. You know how I said there was the greatest commandment? This is me fulfilling it. This is me never leaving you. I always love you. I always love you. I'll always communicate with you. If you need me, I'll be present. That's Jesus, and that's so good. That's so good. So as I said, that's the first part of the commandment. God is present with us. But then we've got to fulfill the second part of the commandment. Love others. Love others. Whew. I might just have some water, team. Sorry. You guys can talk, eh? It's kind of weird if you're just silent. I can't. Not used to that yet, eh? Awesome. So second part of the commandment, right? It's us. That's where I was. So God's fulfilled his first part of the equation. And now sometimes we need to actually go and fulfill ours, which is being present with each other. And sometimes we aren't so great at entering into community. Sometimes we're great at gathering. Like I said about that, that quote earlier, the Facebook with the, the village of acquaintances. I'd hate that to be the church. Sometimes we're not so good. I'm going to touch on something now, and I, I'm sorry if it's raw, but I need to go there. I've heard many people, sometimes it has been me in the past, I've heard many people talk about the ways in which they don't really connect best with God in church. I don't really connect best with God in church, Matt, you know. They don't really like the worship at church. They prefer to be at home just listening to their CD, and that makes them feel closer to God. I just love my own worship. That's great. That's great. That's fine. Other people might say that they, they connect best with God and nature. I love going on a tramp, and I love just being out in the hills, and I love the rivers, and I love the streams, and love the night sky, and that's just where I connect best with God. That's great. That's great. Don't get me wrong. That is great. Others might say that they connect best with God on a bike. It's like, yeah, it's on my bike. Me and God biking together. He's on my tandem, yeah. <laughs> Unlimited power. <laughs> Talking to you, Jake. No, no, no. Now, some people say they connect best with God on a bike, right? 
Or maybe it's running, or maybe it's surfing, Luke Aldersley. <laughs> and that's great as well. Don't get me wrong, that's also great. That's awesome. I don't doubt that each person here has something where they feel the closest to God, where they connect with God the best. For me, it's simply a view and perspective. Maybe so, I like to go on a bike as well, Jake. Sorry for ripping you out, man. I, I love going on my bike as well. I love riding somewhere and riding to a height where I can then have a perspective because perspective just shifts something in me again. It's weird looking at such a, a vast view and thinking God can locate me in an instant and that there's a plan for me and it's like, are you serious? Are you for real? You actually love me? You actually got a plan for me? Have you noticed how many people live on my street, let alone in my city, let alone in my world? There's a song by Switchfoot, my favorite band, and it simply is Edge of the Earth, is, was, was the album, and it just simply says, meet me here at the edge of the earth. And when I find a perspective, uh, like a view or somewhere like a perspective, that's where I connect best with God, because I'll meet him at the edge of the earth. And it's like the edge of the earth is incredible for me, because it has just enough comfort just enough connection to where I am, but there's so much possibility out there as well. I love that space. That's where I connect best with God. And that's great too. That is great. But the thing is, the thing is, is that it's not great when you neglect church in favor of those things. That's tough. But I'm not really okay with that. That's when red flags start raising for me. That's when I'm getting concerned because I'm like, yeah, that's great that you're connecting in nature. That's great, but you need a church as well. You need a church. And I know some people, the danger is today, right? Online's awesome. Some people think like, oh, I can just get the whole church experience online. Store it online these days. Man, I can just pick out my favorite worship, go to this song, and that song, and then this song, and it's just awesome, and I did connect with God. Yeah, you probably did. That's great. And then you're like, why would I go to my local church with like, you know, they're okay speakers, but I can select from the top five communicators in the world. <laughs> I can, man, I can just get downloads and downloads, and I'm just going to get it all. That's great. I'm sure they're speaking awesome stuff. I know, because I'll listen to them as well. They are great communicators, but you need to be in the local church. And then it's like, I can even do this hospitality thing at home. Man, I got my favorite teas, got my T2 selection, that's awesome. <laughs> so good. And then I got my biscuits and my baking, and oh, my whole pantry's there. Yeah, this is what I'm calling church. And so many people think that they can just do church in their living room now. And trust me, you'll, you'll have a great worship experience probably. You're probably going to have a great sermon, probably better than the one I'm giving right now. <laughs> but the truth is, is that you need people. You need people. You see, it's all very well listening to sermons on your laptop and worshiping God in nature or on your surfboard or whatever, but you need to be part of a local church. Why? Because your surfboard isn't going to drop meals off to you when you're recovering from a surgery and you can't do anything. Your surfboard can't do that. And your view and your perspective isn't going to invite you over for tea and a movie. <laughs> oh, that's a beautiful view. Hey, Matt. Hey, view. <laughs> do you want to come over to my place for dinner? I love that. 
It's not going to do that. It's not going to do that. And nature isn't going to pick you up from the airport. Unless you're this crazy person who can, like, wolf whistle a a master of horses or whatever they call them (laughs) while you're on the airplane, and they're just so in tune that they just start galloping out to the Neen Airport to bring you all the way back in. Or maybe you're like Gandalf, and you can catch a moth, and and just these huge eagles come. (laughs) But if you can't do that, nature isn't going to pick you up from the airport. And your computer screen, right? Your computer screen is not going to pray for you. Your computer screen isn't going to pray for you. And it's definitely not going to be there in the times when you find out that your relation has just been diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. And your computer screen isn't going to be there to comfort you and to empathize with you when it all just goes wrong. Your computer screen ain't going to do that. It might bring Stephen Furtick into your living room, but it's not going to give you the presence. And I know there's some smarties here who are like thinking right now, man, you don't know how powerful my laptop is. You've underestimated my latest MacBook. You see, they're like, well, I can actually go online, and if you didn't know Matt living in the Stone Age, you can actually order meals online now. And you can have them dropped off to you. So there you go. My laptop can invite me over for dinner. And, you know, what else can they do? Oh, if I want to watch a movie, I'll just go onto Netflix or Apple TV or just download it or, you know, whatever, you know. Laptops can do that now. So they can invite me over for a movie. Just saying. And did you know, Matt, there's this thing called Uber now. I don't even have to talk to my friends to try to arrange them to come pick me up. I just Uber a ride. And it takes me. Uber's like taxi, by the way. Yeah. And did you know, Matt, you can even sign up to online prayer communities now. I'm okay. I have my prayer community now. It's online. But that's just so wrong. I'm sorry, but that's wrong. That's just a recipe for loneliness. That's just a recipe for no one present when you're desperate. And when you're desperate, something may be able to cover it up. It may be able to just, like, make you feel okay about life, but it's never going to actually be there for you. It's never going to take you anywhere. You see, signing up to an online prayer community is fine. That's fine. That's great on its own, but not if it neglects praying with your actual community. Not if it neglects that. Why? Because sometimes it's not the prayer that heals. It's the presence. It's not the food that satisfies, it's the presence. It's the presence. Come on, it's not the movie that makes you laugh and brings joy into your life, it's the presence. And it's not the Uber ride that welcomes you home, it's the person in the car with you, it's the presence. Come on, it's the presence. It's the presence of people. All those things are great. Don't get me wrong. They're great, but you need people. You need people who are present with you. You see, when you're hurting desperately, I mean hurting. I mean actually struggling. I mean you've got doubt like nothing else. I mean your situation's gone dire and you don't actually know what's going on. You're actually desperate. You've got nothing to post on Facebook because there's no highlights. 
when you're in that space, maybe you just lost a parent. Maybe your friend was just disloyal to you and just turned everyone against you. Maybe you just got made redundant and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Your wife's crumbling and you don't know what's going on. You don't even know if there's a God who can provide for you. When you're in a desperate place, when you're struggling, you need someone who's going to sit beside you and say, me too, I'll struggle with you. I'll struggle with you. I'm going to be here with you. You see, so often I think we'll go, yeah, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. But do you know there's actually power? There's power when you go, hey, I'll walk through it all with you until you can pray for yourself. I'll walk you to a place where you can believe again. I'll walk you there. I love you, man. I love you. Come on, right in that moment, they don't need a three-point sermon saying, this is how you get through grief. This is how you get through disloyalty. Stephen Furtick might be able to give you a great sermon on that, but you need a person. This is why you gotta be in church. This is why we have to be more than just acquaintances. When you're desperate, you need presence. Sharing is presence. The great news is that Jesus will always be present with us, but he's also created people to be there for people. So this is why I believe an abundant life includes church, always includes church. Always includes church. This is why I believe in e-group so much. This is why I love my e-group. Because I know that there's 10 people in the room with me who will journey on whatever I speak out. They ain't gonna be shocked by what I say. They'll always journey on it with me. They'll be loyal to a T. If everything goes wrong, they're gonna be there for me. They'll be the ones in the kitchen cooking with me. That's why I love e-group. That's why I think if you're in church, you gotta be in an e-group. It's not a commandment to do a checklist. It's an invitation to people, to prisons. Because I need connection. I need people. I need more than just a a text. I'm committed to presence. I'm committed to presence. Some of you might be thinking right now, well, Matt, if you didn't know, I know you're away this morning and you've forgotten that we're actually in a prayer. We're in a prayer series. I realize that. I realize I've gone a bit off, off the track maybe. I don't even know what we'll preach this morning. I know it would have been good. I know I'll probably be more focused on prayer. But the whole reason this sermon is around prayer is simply one answer, 7 a.m. tomorrow. 7 a.m. tomorrow. 7 a.m. tomorrow is where it happens. And I'm not trying to manipulate you. I know it might seem like, oh, he's just trying to manipulate me to get me there. I wanna be sleeping. No, no, it's an invitation to people. It's an invitation to presence. It's an invitation to community. It's an invitation to people who are going to be your four people you call when you're in crisis. That's what 7 a.m. is. And I know in the life of the church, we often say, hey, let's pray for our city. And we will stand there like, God, I pray for this city and all those great things. But we forget that we're a part of the city. 
Tomorrow at 7 a.m., yeah, we're not just coming in as individuals, standing in our spot, praying for the city. You're a part of the city. So if you have struggles, tomorrow's prayer meeting's for you. We want to get alongside you because you're as much a part of the city as anyone else. And if we're going to be thriving together, we better do it together. We better be an attractive community. An attractive community is people who are living together, who are believing together, who are doing the highs together, doing the struggles together. 7 a.m. tomorrow. 7 a.m. tomorrow. It's an invitation. Come join with us in prayer. Maybe you can't believe for the city right now. Hey, could we believe for the breakthrough in your life first? We can always start somewhere. Is it less than? Heck no. You're as much a part of the city as anyone else. God cares just as much about you as He does about 120,000 people. And the shack, <laughs> if you guys, I don't know if you've seen the shack or read the shack, the lady says like, I love this moment. She's like, I'm particularly fond of you. And I was like, I see where this is going. And then Max like, you seem to be particularly fond of everyone. She's like, hmm, it seems I am. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so good. Come on, God's particularly fond of you. He's fond of seeing a city saved, but He's fond of you. Particularly fond of you. Come on, if you've got to struggle, 7 a.m. tomorrow. Come on, we're going to be praying for our city and you're a part of the city. The power of community lies in its commitment to presence. So good. Hey, I also want to touch on the fact that I love prayer, right? Prayer is great. Prayer is powerful. Prayer goes actually beyond what we can, what we can do. It's connection to a power greater than us. Power that can do all things. So don't get me wrong, I love prayer. But talking can be just as powerful. Talking can be just as powerful. Tomorrow, maybe you should just need to talk about doubt. You'll realise we all struggle sometimes. Then pray for courage and meet you out together. Sometimes we just get in the room and go, let's just pray for courage. Hey, let's talk about our doubt first. Realise we're on the same page and let's go from there. Maybe you want to talk about being overwhelmed. They'll probably say, me too. Will will probably say, me too. Dunedin's huge. Biggest, smaller city, God. <laughs> Come on, sometimes we can hide the struggle. We can hide the struggle, but it's the very thing we need to be venturing on together. And when we're real, Sometimes they're the powerful moments. Sometimes it's not the profound things we say. Sometimes it's the, the little things we say, the human things we say, that it's like, oh, thank goodness. I'm not the only one. I don't have to hide away. I don't have to hide my vulnerability. Come on, I'm committed to presence. Hey, let's get the team back up. Let's get the team back up. 7 a.m. tomorrow, prayer and presence. That's how it is. Why don't we stand to our feet? Awesome. Well, I think we just need to pray tonight, eh? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equippers Church, Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit equipperschurch.com.